seated. What do you think Joshua was feeling when he was walking with over two million people into the promised land? What what was that like? How, How... Moses had died. It says Moses was like 120 years old and it said he was still strong and his eyes still worked. I mean, this guy was not a weak guy. There was nobody like this. And you're, and you're, you're the guy following Moses. Moses also called, quote unquote, the servant of the Lord. That, that's, that was his name. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it says in the Bible, Moses, the servant of the Lord. It, it's all over the place. And you're the guy that has to follow the servant of the Lord. What are you called? Moses' assistant, you know, you're the assistant. You read the end of Deuteronomy and it says there's nobody that led Israel like Moses. There was no prophet like him until Christ, of course. Nobody measured him. Nobody was able to sit down with God face to face and just talk like that. I mean, I know that we talk to God and we have access that was unparalleled, but, but sitting in a little tent... And in God's presence, like that I can see it right in front of me and just talk like this? How, how do you follow that? Well, I don't know what Joshua was feeling. I, I, I know that Moses laid his hands on him. And then it says wisdom came into Joshua just as Moses had. But, but I wonder. Look at Joshua chapter 1 with me. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. If you're in a pew Bible, it's page 147. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm going to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that, when, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And we'll stop there. Although I will tell you, in chapter 1, Moses is called the servant of the Lord five times. Joshua is called the servant of the Lord in chapter 1 zero times. He's called Moses' aid. And he's stepping into this new role in the book of Joshua that describes Joshua's time in the promised land. He's not called the servant of the Lord. You want to know when he's called the servant of the Lord? One time 
Go to the last chapter of Joshua. I'm gonna, we're going to show how it ends, right? We'll just, we'll just go to the end. Last chapter of Joshua is chapter 24. All right. Verse 29. Joshua 24, verse 29. After all these things, Joshua's over now. You know, the conquest has happened. They're in the land. After all, after these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of a hundred and ten. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance. It, it took his whole life, right? His whole life of serving. Uh, uh, in, in the shadow of Moses. And after he dies, they say, yes, he too was a servant of the Lord. I, I'm not trying to suggest that Joshua was timid. I, I think he was anything but timid. But it was a common accepted truth that nobody led like Moses. Nobody was a prophet like Moses. And it's also truth that in Joshua chapter 1, it seems that God wants nothing more than to encourage this new leader in the battle that's ahead. Before we go any further, I want to talk a little bit about uh, land, geography. I won't show maps, but um, I want to talk about geography for a minute. As we look at the book of Joshua, I want to treat land in a very spiritual sense. I believe the Bible treats locations in a spiritual sense. That is, there's the reality of what happens in Egypt, but there's also the spiritual significance of what happens in Egypt. Moses leading the Exodus, leading the people out of Egypt, is not just a, a physical reality. Follow me, guys. Let's get out of here. I'm tired of being a slave. You know, It's not just that. It's, it's a spiritual reality that, that we're supposed to get encouraged from. So what is Egypt? And you have this in your notes. Egypt. Where do you live? Where do you spiritually live? Well, let's find out. What part of the map are you on? If you live in Egypt, you're in a place of slavery and death. That's Egypt. And I have nothing against the literal country of Egypt, just so we're clear. But spiritually speaking, Egypt then is a place of slavery and death. This is the person that does not have Christ. This is the person that is not saved. They're living in Egypt. They're living in a place of bondage because we know for hundreds of years, Israel had to serve. And they were worked tirelessly. They were worked hard. And they died never seeing the promised land. This is the person without Christ. You're enslaved to sin. And it might just be like, well, I, that's, it's the stuff that I like to do. The things that the church says no to, I just happen to like. Well, that's called slavery. Because it's not good for you. It's not good for you, and yet you have the desire, the compulsion to do it. I don't think Israel enjoyed their slavery, but they were surely compelled to work until they died. And so we know spiritual death is, is a separation from God forever in hell. People who live in Egypt their whole lives live eternity in hell. Egypt. Well, then there's the wilderness. So the Exodus is leading the people of Israel out, 
And, and, and that is a symbol of Jesus leading us out of our sin, out of our slavery. We've left. I think some of the gospel writers also uh, allude to this as well. I'm not going to quote all those and look at all that, but, but it's definitely a theme that you see of Christ leading people out of bondage. Uh, wilderness, though. The wilderness is where the Israel spent 40 years wandering in disobedience and unbelief. Disobedience and unbelief. If you live in the wilderness, I'm not going to comment on whether you're saved or not, because I'm not the judge. But, but people in the wilderness, they, 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 know, they know who God is. They know. The people of Israel knew who God was. They, they knew that God freed them from slavery, and yet here they are complaining. Oh, if we were just back in Egypt, the food was so much better. It didn't matter that we were getting whipped and, and beaten and dying like crazy under, under the harshness of the Egyptians. Oh, if we could just be back there where we could fill our stomach, right? These are, these are the Christians of today who may attend church and may know all about Jesus, but they're not living like it. They're not living like it. In fact, they're really just concerned that when they die, they need a place to go that's not so hot, okay? And, and do those people really make it? I'm glad I don't have to decide that. I'm glad that I don't. God will sort through all that. And and, and don't hear me wrong because uh, I disobey every day, okay? And so do you. And I'm still covered by grace. I I don't base my salvation on, oh, I disobeyed today. I must be in the wilderness. I don't do that. I'm only saying when you persist in disobeying and not believing God and not holding to the cross, you got to wonder. You have to wonder about, am I really in this? Do I, do I have real faith? Is it genuine? But if you believe in Christ, I don't want you to walk out with doubt. You're as saved this morning as when you walked in. <laughs> if you believe in Christ's death and resurrection, yes, you're, you're, you're part of the family. Don't doubt that. But if, you're, if you feel like you do not believe, and you feel like at one point you just attended church, and that's just kind of what you do, but then I'd say, well, is this real? Wilderness. By the way, Jesus was in the wilderness uh, when he got baptized. He, the Spirit led him out there. How long was he in the wilderness? Forty days, corresponding to Israel's forty years. And when Jesus was in the wilderness, he obeyed, and he believed in the word of the Lord and quoted it to Satan and came out victorious. Where Israel failed, Jesus succeeded. And if I'm crucified with Christ, that means I succeed too, and you succeed too. Okay, so wilderness, disobedience, unbelief. If you're living there, please ask God to help you out of the wilderness. Canaan, oh, by the way, the wilderness is, is a, 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 um, a metaphor often used in the book of Hebrews. If you read Hebrews, in particular chapters like 3 and 4, some of those places, it's going to pick up on the wilderness thing a lot. In fact, I think the writer of Hebrews was was writing to an audience that he was worried was in the wilderness. Just so you're clear. If you want to read that, you can see that. Um, Canaan. Uh, Canaan is next. Canaan is a place, it's the promised land. It's a place of conflict and victory. Conflict and victory. This is where God wants us to live. This is where he wants us to dwell. In fact, I would argue that the book of Joshua was written partly just to show to show them back then, the believers back then, and to show the believers throughout history that life is a spiritual battle, that the forces of evil are real, 
And, and if you're living the Christian life, if you're a disciple of Christ, you're going to have conflict in the land. And yet the victory is assured. Okay? I mean, I, I can say that's kind of my theme for what, everything I'm doing in Joshua this summer assumes that Joshua is a book about conflict and victory and, and, and the conflict is what we fight and God gives us the victory. And so that Christians are supposed to read Joshua not for accounts of bloody warfare, but for accounts that say, oh yeah, I can relate to this. I'm not picking up my sword, but I've got some hard things in my life. My marriage is rough right now and I need the Lord's victory in it. Or you say, I'm really sick right now and, and I'm discouraged from it. I'm in the battle right now. Because God hasn't removed this from me. So I've got to fight. When it comes to my marriage, I've got to fight. My kids right now are just breaking my heart. I've got to fight. I have no job. I don't know where my next pay is coming from. I've got to fight. Because all of these physical things that happen, all the physical conflicts in the world have spiritual impact on you. You all walked in some way this morning feeling great or feeling tired or feeling like the week beat you up. Every day you're in battle. And, and it, kind of, it, it kind of gets me because I feel, like, I feel like in the church we don't talk about the battle enough. That, that, that we don't talk, we, 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 maybe we emphasize victorious living, but, but we don't emphasize the fact that often we're in the middle of the battle. And it just hurts. And it's not fun. And, and in this series, we're going to emphasize also the battle and how difficult it is. And yet what happens in, at the conclusion of the battle is most assuredly victory. So Canaan, I believe God has called every believer to live in Canaan. He's called every one of you to live in conflict with spiritual forces of darkness as we just quoted from Ephesians earlier. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. That's as true today as it was when he wrote it. We are fighting every day against darkness. It could be the darkness in our hearts, the darkness of the world, the darkness of the devil, but it's coming against us, and we have to fight. This life is about living in Canaan, and when we die, we'll enter the true rest of God in heaven. Oh, I use the word rest. At some point, I will talk about rest in this series. If you read Hebrews 3 and 4, it talks a lot about rest, God's rest. And I believe there's different kinds of rest. There's a rest that you can get in this life that is uh, different than the rest you're going to get in heaven, which is complete. But I'll leave that alone this morning. Uh, I, I could go on that for a while. Um, last place, and, I, and again, I'm not going very far on this, but just so you know, last place is Babylon. Do you live in Babylon? Babylon's a place of discipline. Babylon's like, you should know better, but you didn't, and you persisted in your sin, and now God the loving Father is saying, I can't tolerate this anymore, I don't want you to live like this, so I'm going to put you in a place that's hard, you're not going to like it, it doesn't feel like home, but you need it to purify you. Not the purity of the cross, but, but, but the practical purity of living the way Christ has called you to live. You've been struggling in, in unbelief and doubt, and now I'm going to bring this hard thing in your life to bring you to a more solid understanding of who I am. That's Babylon. It's a place of discipline. It's God responding lovingly to his kids. Okay? Where are you living this morning? Where are you at on the spiritual map? I bet it's one of those four places. And I can guarantee you God wants you ultimately to live in Canaan.
the promised land, a place of conflict and victory. How do we do that? You know, uh, when God spoke to Joshua, he knew all of the conflict to come and he wanted nothing more than to say, Joshua, be strong and courageous. So first of all, first of all, we need the Lord's encouragement. And that's the main point on your notes. First, we need the Lord's encouragement. Be strong and courageous. Some of you have been reading my blog, my adoption blog, and we, um, so you, you know this story, but we got to Chicago to leave uh, on our plane flight, and, and I'm one of those people that, I, I like to plan everything. You know, when I go on vacation, it's more fun to know what I'm going to do Monday through Friday than to, like, be spontaneous, and guess what? My wife's spontaneous. So, um, <laughs> so we do it that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> did I get a clap for that? Who did that? I don't see any men clapping. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so uh, we, some of you know that we changed our travel dates. They wanted us in country two days earlier, so I was like, change the date. So they moved us two days earlier, and everything else was the same. The same times we're leaving, the same everything, the same return airport. The only thing that changed was our departure airport. And so I went to the wrong Chicago airport. <laughs> I went to Midway. And I was dropped off. I returned to Midway yesterday, by the way. It was all the same. Just one different departure. One little thing. And uh, I'm covering for myself. Yes, I'm a man and I messed up. All right, fine. Fine. All right. So I went to the wrong airport and uh, they, they told us our mistake. And we arrived two hours early, but still we were just like, oh, how far away is O'Hare? Like we didn't know. We just didn't know. And, and they said, why don't you just take the, the uh, train? And I'm like, well, I know the trains. And I have... Four suitcases and two carry-on suitcases. That, that's not working. That's not happening. <laughs> and, so, and so we went down and we got a taxi. And uh, we talked to the taxi driver. He looked at me like I was crazy. Like, you're at Midway and you're supposed to be at O'Hare? Like, how do, how do you mess that up? But um, I don't know. And so we put, or put our stuff in the back and we get in the cab. It's an African-American guy driving. He's speaking to us. And uh, after a while, I tell him, maybe after five minutes, I'm telling him what we're doing, we're adopting uh, I'm a pastor, we're going. And he says, you're a pastor? He says, I'm a minister too. And uh, I said, oh, that's wonderful. Well, praise God. And then, and then the taxi driver begins to preach to me in the back seat. He's preaching. He's quoting scripture. He's talking about how Christ saved us and Christ is the last Adam. And, and, and he came to give the world life. And I'm going to teach our new adopted son about the life of Christ. And he's going to have life. And he's preaching, preaching. He's in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, all these different things. And I'm just like... And at some point in the conversation, at some point, in, it wasn't a conversation, he was preaching to me, okay? And uh, at some point he says, I don't even know why I'm saying all this. And, and I said, I know why. Because we're, we're traveling across the world and it's, it, the nerves aren't just from the wrong airport location. We got nerves about just going and going to a new place we've never been before. And, and what you're telling me right now is, God's going with us. And, and, I, and I know that. Like, 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 I know that. But I experienced that at that moment. I experienced, like, God, even when things go wrong, you've got this so under control that you've given me a taxi cab driver that's a minister of the gospel and is preaching to me and telling me this is all God. You know, and, and then I read Joshua chapter 1 and I'm going... When, when, when you go to, in, into a battle, and, and I know leaving, there is a spiritual conflict when we leave and step out and do this. There is conflict. I needed the Lord's encouragement that morning. Christy needed the Lord's encouragement. By the way, she's sitting next to me. She's crying. Like, he's preaching to us, and she's just like, you know. 
oh, you know, she's wiping her eyes and, and it's just, you know, and it was wonderful to have that kind of encouragement before we walk into something that is not going to be easy. And that's the first thing you need to hear from the Lord this morning. Your conflict is not easy. It's really hard. And God just wants to say just a couple words to you this morning. Be strong and be courageous. Now you think about that little phrase, be strong and courageous. Let's say that, um, let's say that you are um, taking a test. Uh, we'll use a high school example. That's the only one I can think of right now. Let's say you're taking the ACT and it's going dep- to uh, uh, determine whether you're going to get into the college or not. And if I said to you, be strong and courageous, if you were the kind of person that's a terrible test taker, that'd be encouraging. If you're the kind of person that's like genius level 4.0, you're probably not going to feel that as much, right? I mean, it's going to be like, yeah, I, I, thank you for that. I need that encouragement. Thank you. But, but, but the person that needs it, it's going to hit them. In other words, is God saying be strong and courageous to a person that, 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 that's like, I got this. I am Joshua. I am trained in the art of war. And he was. But, but it's like he, he needed to hear this at this time. He, he needed this. If I was a world traveler and I was used to going to Africa and different places and I knew how that all worked, th- then I, I wouldn't have needed that as desperately as I needed it that morning. But I needed that. I was in a place that needed it. And so God wants you to know that, that if you're in a place where the battle seems overwhelming, there's no end in sight, you don't know how this is going to get fixed, you only see the brokenness, you only see the weakness, you only know that tomorrow that temptation is going to be back, you only know that tomorrow that person's still going to be in your life driving you just crazy with the darkness they bring, you've got to hear that word, be strong and courageous. And God says it to those that are fighting battles that they almost shouldn't be able to win. They just shouldn't be able to win it. And yet if God says be strong and courageous, you better believe the victory is there. And so I don't know what you carry, what battle you bring in with you this morning, but God's word is, I want you to leave encouraged because a discouraged army never wins battles. If you walk in going, I'm going to fail at this. I'm taking the ACT and I know I'm going to bomb it. Chances are, you're going to bomb it. <laughs> what, what team wins world championships walking in going, there's no way we're going to get this? Why is it every coach wants their team to walk into the championship uh, 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 match going, we got this. We can do this. God wants you to have that mindset, not because of your strength, but because of his strength. He's got this. That battle you're going through, he's got this. So, quickly, quickly now. Um, how does the Lord encourage Joshua? I just want to give you three practical ways. Uh, I'm giving these to you, but I'm not really preaching, preaching them because these are going to come up later. Oh, they're going to come up later. It's going to be great. Um, how does the Lord encourage Joshua, number two? Uh, first of all, he gives him some promises. That's the first blank, promises. Like, like if you look at verse three, I'll give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Victory is assured. I'm promising you that. Uh, verse 5. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Um, 
Verse 6, be strong and courageous. You will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their ancestors to give them. Second P is promotion. God promotes Joshua. You're no longer second. You're number one now. Just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. You're going to lead these people to victory. You're going to do that. I know some of you men need to hear that. (laughs) Because maybe family life is rough and God has called you to lead. Yeah, He's going to do that. He's called you to lead in your family. He's called you to that. He's promoted you. So I know there's mistakes in the past, but you've got the promotion. Men understand promotion really well, don't we? You know, like, that's what all of us want. Mothers, when you're doing it single-handedly, man, you know, you single moms, God's with you on that. He's promoted you to this place of leading in your family that maybe you wanted and maybe you didn't want that spot. He's promoting us. He's giving us responsibility. And he's saying, I'm going to be there with you to get the job done. Whatever that job is that you've got in front of you. He's promoted you. He'll help you. Uh, Third P is presence. Might be a little bit redundant, but if you um, look again, um, verse 9, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You're not going into battle. I'm going with you. Presence. We'll be talking a lot about presence in in the coming weeks. God's presence. So that's some of the ways God lifts up Joshua. I'm making you promises. I'm promoting you to this position. And I'm going to be there with you to do it. Now, what is the key to success? How are you going to win these battles? In the last five minutes, I just want want to hit this hard. How do we win battles? I mean, God says, I'm going to give you the land. If you step there, I'm giving it to you. And, and, uh... Boy, there's a lot of things I could say about that too, man. Um, if you step there, I'm giving it to you. Uh, um, and yet he doesn't say, Joshua, your part in all this is to make sure you have those men trained. I, I want them drilling every day. I want six to eight hours of practice with the sword. He doesn't say that. Like, like what's the practical response to this? What am I supposed to do, God? But aside from the faith factor, which is huge, how am I practically, physically speaking, what was my part in this? And, and, and God doesn't say, please keep training, Joshua. I mean, I, that's, a, that's a given, that's assumed. But he says, you better not let my word leave your mouth. You better meditate on it. You better do all that Moses gave you to do in that word. Uh, look at it again with me. Key to success is God's word. He says, Um, verse 7, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Then you will be prosperous and and successful. But I thought, God, I'm just going to walk into the land and if I step there, you're just going to say, there it is, you can have it. Isn't that the promise? But the promise comes with uh, uh, the, the command to follow God. If you're disobedient, am I just going to give you all this and bless you if you're disobedient to me? And God's saying, no, I, the key to success, your key to victory is not how much you practice with the sword. It's how much you practice with this.
That is the key to victory. So he says three things about the Bible. He says, don't let it leave your lips. You've got to talk about it. You've got to talk about it. Dads, I'd just love to see you bring up the Bible as you're eating at dinner, you know? Just, just bring it up. Talk about it. If you're not talking about it, chances are you might not be doing it. Moms, you're putting your kids to bed and, and you just bring it up. You bring up the Word of God that you were reading that day, you know? You, you just talk about it. You go on a date with your spouse and, and you talk about it. You just bring it up. And maybe that's kind of unnatural because you're not used to just talking about the Bible. And, and you know, the, the, the worst things happen when you try to be unnatural, but I don't care. You know, as they say at Dare to Share Ministries, awkward is awesome. And, uh, you, you know, I, I can just see that. I can just see the scenario play out where you're at the dinner table and Dad says, what would you think about the sermon? And, and teenage Bobby says, you, you're only asking that because the pastor said you had to. Bobby, be quiet, right? I mean, just stop. Stop. Give the guy a break. Um, promotion means you're taking on responsibilities that you didn't have before. And you step up and do it. And, and that's a good thing. Talk about it. Um, meditate on it. Meditate on it. I'm one of those guys that likes to read a chapter a day in the Bible. But when I read a chapter, you say, how do you meditate on a whole chapter of the Bible? Let me just tell you how I do it. Maybe it would be helpful. I read through a chapter maybe three times slowly, and I ask God to lead me to a verse in that chapter to meditate on. One verse. If I pick the wrong verse, it doesn't matter. It's the Word of God. Okay? <laughs> the Holy Spirit will lead. But, but I actually, I'm trusting, all jokes aside, I'm trusting that God's going to lead me to the verse that He wants me to meditate on. I wrote about a little bit of that in my blog on, on the adoption, um, where He led me to a verse, and then I saw how that played out in my life. Um, that's just what I do. Three times through and say, God, would you give me one verse just to chew on today? And then I chew on it throughout the day. Meditate. Just, just chew on it. Memorize it. Think about it. Think about if you're living it. <laughs> and then finally, do it. Do it. Meaning you just got to practice it. You got to do what you're reading about. You say, well, I know the commands of God. I know the laws. But often... Even though I know a lot of the commands of God by heart, when I read about it in my own personal quiet time, sometimes God reminds me I'm not doing too well at that. I'm an honest guy. I know about the truth. But then when I read about it in my devotions and God like hits me with it, and he shows me something where I wasn't completely forthright, oh, we call that lying, by the way. Forth, uh, that's pastor talk for lying, right? <laughs> where I wasn't forthright. <laughs> um, where I wasn't completely honest with a person. And it's like God just hits me with it. Last week, uh, I woke up in the morning and, and I had a psalm come into my head. Like, it was like, read psalm this. And I'm, I'm not going to share which one it was because it's personal between me and God. And, and I read it and I was like, why is he not making me read this? And I thought about it and I was like, oh, I see. I see. Um, you want success? In, in the battles in your life, well, then come to church. No, that's not true. The Bible. You want success in life? Think hard about it and, and, and think positively. No, use your Bible. It will change you. It will change you.
In church, we just try to make that an extension of the word of God where we, when we preach. Um, last story, and then we're going to communion. Um, young man, have I told about my Marine friend who stood up for Christ? I don't know if I have, but um, youth group, I told the youth group about it at the retreat. That's what I did. Um, he, he, this young guy was coming to youth group and he was strong in his faith. He was from out of town. Nobody knew him. He came into youth group and he was a man, he was a young man just full of Christ. And, and within two months, like he's a leader in the youth group. Like people just are like, you know, they're not saying he's amazing, but, but they're listening to him. And then he graduates and he goes on. He wants to be a Marine. Okay. And so he goes and he's doing the boot camp thing. And he, uh, he's, uh, he's got his Bible with him. And it was a rainy day one day, and he's got his Bible, and, and, and he's, I don't know where he's going, but one of his commanding officers comes up and, and, and tells him, he says, what do you got in your hand there, uh, recruit? And, and he pulls it out, and, and, and the commanding officer took it and threw it in the mud, his Bible. Just threw it in the mud. And, uh, and he was uh, kind of shocked. <laughs> and and I, I don't know what was all said, but he was kind of yelled at, and you don't need that, and, and get going. So he left. Next day or next day, maybe next week. He gets a new Bible, okay? He's carrying it with him. Same commanding officer comes up to him. Recruit, what do you have in your hand there? My Bible. Give it to me. So he holds it out, and the guy goes to take it, and, and he would not let go of it. He would not let go of the Bible. He held on to it. And, and, he's, and, and, and his commanding officer started screaming at him, yelling at him. You give that to me! You know, he's just screaming at him. And he's making a big, you know, obviously a big scene. And, and this recruit, this young man, would not let go. Another guy who's over this officer comes over and says, what's going on here? You know, and he finds out what's going on. And he says, you leave him alone. And so that young recruit kept his Bible. Um, there's a lot of darkness in this world and a lot of people full of darkness. They're in the army. They're in the Marines. They're in uh, your workplace. They're in this community. They're everywhere. They're just everywhere. And darkness wants to pull you down. And Christ says, stand on my word and I will give you victory. I'll give you, I'll give you strength. Be strong and courageous. And if you want to be stronger, I get it, it's about drilling and practicing with your sword, but practice with the word of God and you will have success. So this summer we're looking at Joshua and we're going to find out how to use the book of Joshua to have success in the battles in our life. Let me pray. Jesus, um, I love your word. I, I am just, I'm just so thankful that you haven't left us without a key to victory. <laughs> that, that our response is so clear. We know what you want from us. Help us follow you. Help us fight our battles. Help us win. We know that you're with us. Christ's name I pray, amen.